0: He's killing Chippy! Welcome to another episode of the Wembley Way podcast. Tonight, Tom is your host with Nick and Wembley Way teammate Tom Sheldon, plus guest Ben Crawley for the best and worst of the week, five things in the EFL, live, match spotlight, England edition, England Youth Watch, power rankings, and then finally, the listeners' questions. And welcome to episode 10 of the Wembley Way podcast. Tonight, uh, to celebrate, we've got two guests alongside Nick. Nick, Hayden.
1: Yeah, really good. Had a good week. Uh, excited for the episode with, with two guests, as you said.
0: Yeah, and those guests are Wembley Way teammate. It's Tom Sheldon. Introduce yourself, Tom. Hi.
2: Yep, yep, brilliant. Good start. Um, everyone knows me already. I'm a caller yep. of the podcast. Well, I said
0: you're a teammate, didn't I? Whereas Ben Crawley at Ben Crawley Great at is a Wembley way newbie. Ben Crawley, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Um,
3: delighted to to join you. I was quite surprised at the text from Nick yesterday or Sunday actually because slightly delayed because of the the host's um, late running. But yeah, you know. already
0: started. I don't like it comes on as guest and we get I was a bit.
3: Yeah, a bit taken back slightly because it, you know, got got the uh got the invite and thought it yeah. yeah, might come from the host and i was expecting uh you know nick might be arranging some sort of illegal football match at the moment um but a bit disappointed that you asked me to come on i was also surprised because Lord. because i thought you know you might uh your viewing figures or listening figures might be a bit down this this week because of Why course, is that? You know, well it must be about you know 50% 25% of the
0: of oh, the what? I don't get it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the total listening numbers, yeah. You know. Oh, you
0: mean you? Brilliant. Sure. Oh, no, that so, was a good joke. So I, I did get it. it.
3: Yeah, I know. Well, over the head. Got it um, on the end. So I thought I'd inform the other two or three yeah uh you know, listeners that that actually you'd think the host did most of the work. Right. Yeah. I've discovered since Sunday night mm. getting the text from that. Mm. You know, what to do, he's been, yeah. been keeping me closely advised at what to say. You know, I've got a whole script here, I'm just gonna read it out. And the host has done nothing. <laughs> so to those two or three listeners, if you think Tom's doing anything, you're wrong.
0: Right, a couple of but things. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, no, to, no, um, oh, no, no, let me, go on then, you, yeah. I'm no, pleased
3: to, to come on, thank you very much, yeah, I'm all <laughs> all right.
0: A couple of things to unpack there. Firstly, there's no script, Nick's not dishing dish- dish- around what to say, all right? Uh, um is that right Nick have I said that right and uh <laughs> secondly um look I Nick like does kind of seem to like is that the quarterback if you will in dishing out like uh, not the scripts but the the invites um uh, project managing the, the 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 outfit I edit I'm the one staying up until 12 o'clock in, at night on a, on, a, on a often a, Tuesday, a Monday night sometimes a Tuesday night uh, so I think the effort is uh, evenly spread. Anyway, moving on with the podcast, as we always do, we'd like to start off our best and worst of the week. Nick, what's your best of the week?
1: So my best, uh, going back now, by the time listeners hear this, uh, seven days, uh, is going to be Chelsea against Atletico Madrid. Um, usually our best come from, come from Premier League games, but um, this was uh, an example of a tactically perfect game. Um, Tuchel got everything spot on the players executed absolutely perfectly every single player on the pitch including the subs uh, did their job down to a tee Um, the goal on the break sort of epitomised the performance Um, Werner was great which makes a change obviously as as we've mentioned him before on the pod Um, we completely nullified that not only in that game but across both legs um, I can't really remember them having many clear-cut chances in, in either game, to be honest. And um, and we we easily broke through uh, Atletico's usually very good press. So um, for me, it was, a, it was a really, really good performance. Um, I want to highlight two things, I guess, or two players. One was Kovacic. I've been a bit harsh on him in the past because he doesn't seem to do nothing. He looks good, but doesn't seem to have um, that end product as he breaks forward. But yeah, um, but he, he beat the press constantly, taking possession in dangerous areas, um, breaking the lines with his passing and dribbling, which is the most important thing. And then Kante, who for me was man of the match, to be honest. Uh, he won possession 13 times in the match, which is just a ludicrous amount. Uh, he had the most passes into the opposition half, which was 55. Um, and then to cap it off in the 94th minute, when we, he won the ball on the edge of the area, we broke away. Um, Pulisic fed in Emerson, obviously, as you know, he, he scored. But who was popping up on the right-hand side, the head of Pulisic was Kante, out sprinting everyone on the break in the 94th minute after putting an absolute shift in. So that, that epitomised his performance and the Chelsea performance. And then obviously, as you've all probably seen Thiago Silva, Mason Mount and Jorginho, who were all unavailable for the game, celebrating together in the stands. Uh, all, all 11 players, including the goalkeeper in the corner, celebrating the goal. I think it just sort of reflects the, the mood at the moment, which is, which is very good. Uh, so I'm, I'm very pleased for that reason.
3: Is that legal to celebrate like that
1: yeah, in these times? You mean from a COVID perspective? Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't <laughs> think there's any laws on it, Ben. Uh, maybe they're not advised to, but then players aren't meant to celebrate right on the pitch, and they do, so.
2: Really, yeah, does will... it make you feel um, sad um, that this has happened since Lampard has gone Like and this is there now and it wasn't when he was there at the end of his reign? Oh, um,
0: a spicy start here. Uh, way.
1: Anyway. <laughs> yes and no. I think if you look back to Lampard's first season, there was a massive togetherness and a huge positive attitude in the squad. I think this year Lampard had ideas about who he wanted to play and who he didn't want to play. Uh, and and he clearly made that felt and uh, to the board. And they couldn't sell the players he wanted to sell. And I think that, that resulted in a squad too big for his liking and players who he didn't want. And I think that's what created the the issues. At the moment, Tuchel's given everyone a game basically. That not one player in the squad hasn't played yet. I think maybe Willy Caballero's the only player who hasn't played. So he can he's able to do that at the moment because uh, the games are coming thick and fast. He's rotating, he's keeping everyone happy. I guarantee you, next season he will have a harder job keeping everyone happy because he will know then who his who his preferred starters are, who his preferred team is. But um, it, it's always going to happen with a new manager when they come in, they lift spirits and everyone's on board. The real test is is obviously longer term if they can keep that up, but. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Obviously, I would have loved to have seen what Lampard could have achieved at Chelsea, but um, that doesn't mean I can't like Tuchel and what he's doing at the moment either. It's, just, it's not it's like not as if Tuchel. It's not a Tuchel versus Lampard thing. It's, it's just um, celebrating what, what he's doing at the club at the moment. Isn't <laughs> it? No, it's not. We still love yeah, Lampard.
0: Yeah, no, Lampard, a, a hero no more. Uh, ben, uh, what's your best of the week? Well, mine's a,
3: a slight cheat in that. Uh... It's, it's sort of the build-up uh, to best of the week, if you like. And the best of the week is Jesse Lingard being uh, picked for England again. And so it's sort of the lead-up to that and the, the best of the week being the sort of pinnacle. So i uh,
0: <laughs> picked it up, so go on.
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think uh, it sort of goes back those two months ago since West Ham have signed Lingard in the sense that uh, you know, it was a bit of an unknown. Nobody really knew what was going to happen. He'd been out a long time. He, almost the forgotten man, if you like, at Manchester mm-hmm. United. Um, and it was one of those sort of signs. You thought, is it a typical West Ham catching a falling knife? A, you know, a, a player at a big club who hadn't played for a long time. West Ham thinking they're going to sign, you know, sign him, and all of a sudden he's going to come out and, and, and be their best player. And he is. That's the thing. <laughs> he sort of, whenever he gets the ball, he just looks to go forward. He has that big club mentality that he actually believes he's better than everyone else on the pitch. Yeah. He gets the ball, goes forward, um, drives at players, does things that no other West Ham player can do, and probably haven't been able to do since Piatt. Um, You know, sort of saw flashes from Lanzini in the past, but since his injuries pretty much been knackered um and then i think you know again. Pick for england is is probably the pinnacle of that in in the space of two months he's changed uh opinions on him and you know got back in that england squad after t- being two years out and then to 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 sort of uh cap things off on sunday he scored that goal you know which would be the type of goal you wouldn't even try to do down the park so the the ball came you know passed back to him I'm not quite sure if it was it was intentional that first touch where it sort of bounces up off his foot and sort of spins into his path where he just volleys it mm. top right hand corner. It's the sort of thing only a player at the top of their confidence would would even try. Um but yeah, it's gotta be the best of the week in terms of getting picked for England. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um it's also been a huge turnaround for him uh, personally, I believe uh in terms of fortune i mean i know he's had a difficult couple, uh, year maybe more um with family mm-hmm. issues and to i think yeah as you say to get to get his move to to be playing like a year's get the pick for england just in time for the euros as well it's kind of a nice uh hopefully not climax to the story hope a conclusion to the story hopefully uh that's uh helping us win uh the euros but uh no uh a uh a, 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 a good story in the end. Yeah, you,
3: you've got to imagine that's really the reason why he wanted to move to West Ham. You, yeah. He's probably yeah. thinking, seeing that Manchester United, he's he wasn't really going to get a game other than the odd you know, FA Cup game, maybe yeah. maybe in, in Europe, if, if they're playing a weakened team. And so, yeah, that move is purely, you think, to to one, start playing football again, but yeah, two, it's got to be to get back in that England team for for the Euros. And, and the fact that he's able to do that in such a quick space of time is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, if
1: you think about it, I suppose, he, pro- he probably, th- I know he's got obviously a lot of self-belief and self-confidence, but he probably, th- he probably thinks, am I going to make the next World Cup squad with all the young, exciting talent England are coming through or got coming through? And he probably thinks... There's a limited chance of me making the the World Cup squad next year. Um, may, maybe he would, but so he probably, like you said, he probably thinks this is the last hurrah to make the Euros. And and obviously so far is uh, is um has been a great move for him. And, and as you said, he's picked in picked in the squad. Um, Nick, I mean,
0: do you think he's been selected too quickly? And uh, Southgate's kind of jumped the gun. Uh, he's, he's obviously having a good. He's uh, he's in good form, but to pick him now is to assume he will be. Part of Southgate's plans, and is it too quick to be part of those plans, it, having been out for so long?
1: I don't think it is because he he knows him. He's he's been in the last. Uh, he was in the World Cup squad last time, wasn't he? And and, and so I think he trusts him and knows him. I, I do think, obviously, if the squad. will come on this later on. I suppose in the, in the power rankings feature, but the squad is that he's picked for the World Cup friend, uh, World Cup qualifiers. is he twenty six men, and he can only take twenty three to the Euro. So straight away, you're losing three, plus you've got. Grealish out, you've got Madison out, you've got Sancho out, so I, 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 don't, I still don't think he goes in, in the summer, to be honest, um, but I think that, what, why wouldn't you pick him at the moment? I mean, the alternatives are probably maybe picking one of the attackers in the under-21 squad, but the under twenty one's obviously got a big tournament in March now as well, so I think I, I, I don't think it's too early, I, I think I wouldn't read too much into
2: it though, is what I'm saying I think he'd even be good to take just for morale in the camp, he's obviously like a big character, yeah, very true And he was part of the um, World Cup squad last time. Part of the success, he scored quite a few, maybe two or three goals in that tournament.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, So I think he's good in that sense. He'll boost morale for the tournament um, in the summer.
1: Yeah, that's very true. We always talked about having characters in in the squad, even though if they're not going to play. Yeah, it's very important. So, yeah, why not? Um, It would be tricky, though, because we do have an array of talent in in that position.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I'd always have a soft spot for Jesse Lingard for the, the goal against Panama. Obviously, it was only Panama, but the fact that I, I think we'd obviously beaten Tunisia late on, we get Panama, and we're obviously killing them. Half time, the whole nation like was buzzing. I remember half time we were all singing. Free- I was in this like sports bar slash club thing. And everyone was just singing "Free Lions." And I, I, I like welled up at halftime. I was like, "So happy that England are playing well." I know it's only Panama, but still, we we play shit against the bad teams, like Algeria in the past. You know, yeah. we couldn't do anything against anyone. So, be playing like we were with and Lingard's goal, to, yeah, to, uh, included, was just such a moment for me. I loved it. So I realized I think we had a shot that that year, and uh, oh, we nearly did it, didn't we? Uh, all aboard the uh, Jesse Lingard train, I think, uh, on that one. Um, and as for the less positive um, performances of the week, Nick. What's your worst of the week?
1: I had a choice between two, both semi Spurs related, but I've gone with the one that I think is definitely the worst of the week, which is Spurs elimination from the Europa League. Um, so the, Is that not uh, the the best?
0: Well, hold on. Also, (laughs) The the podcast description is quite clearly EPL and England. (laughs) so I'm not sure why Europa League's getting a mention, if I'm honest.
1: So I don't care what the description says, to be honest. So I'm going with this anyway. You didn't, this interrupt me, you didn't interrupt me when I talked about Chelsea's performance against Atletico, so I'm going to carry on.
0: This was on the script. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it was. You're reading your lines perfectly. Uh, so what was, on, what was on the previous script of the Wembley Way uh, was Tom saying, but it's Zagreb. Final last words. But we should be right with that. This was before Spurs won 2-0 at home. So let alone after. So, after a 2-0 first leg win at home, you go away to Zagreb, sure. and all you have to do is not lose by two or more goals, or get or score an away goal, basically. Um, I suppose, before I go any further, you have to credit Zagreb, who did play well, fought really hard, and obviously, uh, also, she scored, a, uh, for him, an absolute, absolutely memorable hat-trick. Uh, yeah. One that we'll never forget. I think one that even Luka Modric was celebrating on Instagram, which is quite uh, funny. Um but what was uh, what was quite laughable was basically
0: laughable. Brilliant.
1: Spurs' a- Spurs players' attitude. You can't turn up to those games and just think you're going to win it. And I think that probably epitomises the the attitude and, and belief of a lot of the players in the squad, and, and probably why it's so um, up and down. Uh, I, I just think that you, if you turn up to a game like that and you think you're going to win it, or you think you're, you're going through. No matter what squad you put out or what team you put out in that game, and it was fairly strong, you, you just can't afford to do that in those competitions. Um, there was just a lack of fight. Played so poorly, it was ridiculous. And to be honest, you can blame Mourinho and say this wouldn't happen under another manager, but to be honest, like Mike Bassett should be able to navigate a team through to the next round after a 2-0 victory in the first leg at home. Um, so for me, it's all on the players and on their attitude of how they turned up. Um, There's one thing being up for for a big game uh, and going out and attacking that game, but you have to be up for every single game at the top level, and and they weren't. So for me, the Spurs' performance was the worst of the week.
0: Yeah, I I don't disagree. Um, Good. No one seems to have any other word on that. That's good. I'll move (laughs) on quickly. Uh, Ben Crawley, uh, what's your worst of the week?
3: It's got to be the the West Ham collapse versus... Arsenal. Uh Sunday is just yeah, it's pretty dismal. After that first 30 minutes just unbelievable football. Arsenal couldn't keep up with the pace at all. And then it sort of reminded me when you know if we're talking about England back in the days of Sven when you sort of go 1-0 up and we'll just sit back and not do anything and hope that we we sort of survive an onslaught. As soon as that Lacazette goal goes in or is it it was deflection, wasn't it? But whatever.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> it was just an onslaught from Arsenal. And and then, you know, get gets to that point where they couldn't even make a pass that was 10 yards. It just like that much under pressure. Just getting to them, even to half, you know, trying to get to half-time was a bit of a struggle. Made it to half-time, free one up. You think, still, yeah, OK, you know, hopefully turns things around in in the second half. Um, of course, Arsenal score again. Antonio has a couple of chances. And then there's that that uh, chance at 3-2 when Ben Rama plays it across the box. And Antonio, you know, gets his studs onto it, but his studs just aren't long enough. So it you know, clatters into the post. And, and uh, at that point, you think, well, that, that's it. You know, Arsenal going to score. Jamie Carragher's calling Callum Chambers, Cafu. Um, and when he's doing that, that's, you know, you know the writings on the wall. Yeah, uh, bloody good game though. Seemed <laughs> like it. I mean the yeah, you know, if you're an Arsenal fan, you're saying that's the that's the you know best of the week, that's great comeback. Mm. Um but it's probably telling of Arsenal, I think, you know, in terms of they're up and down, there's no consistency whatsoever in that team. Uh you mm. know, Odegaard, how good did he look? In that second half, just pulling the strings.
1: I was just about to mention him. He he looked he looked absolutely quality to be honest. He he was the man of the match by far. Um, but yeah, Real Madrid have got any sense? there,
3: are keeping. Oh, I don't know. is he's, he's, my thing about him? He he needs to score more. And know, uh, yeah, he's got. I think he's got a couple of goals now. But um, yeah, you look at his record, and you just think he hasn't scored enough. Um, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure that will come. Um, mm, still young as well, isn't he?
1: So that, that sort of thing tends to come as you get a bit older. When you get learn learn when to arrive in the box, when to stay, and things like that. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I I do agree with you in terms of the collapse. I think the confidence just sapped out of them almost as soon as the first goal went in. It was like like you said, West Ham couldn't couldn't keep the ball, couldn't make any passes, were camped in their own box, couldn't couldn't really get out. And um, yeah, it was it was unlike it was unlike West Ham and unlike Gamoy's team to be honest. I didn't didn't expect that. Um, and and Arsenal seemed to be able to create whenever they wanted. Whenever they went forward, they, they seemed to create chances. So it was um yeah, that yeah, was, was unusual because not like West
3: Ham at all. Down, yeah, you I know, mentioned um, you know, Callum Chambers turning to Cafu all of a sudden, mm. um, yeah, you know, down West Ham's left hand side, it was just like yeah. constant. Mm. And but then you sort of think, yeah, you know, the major problem with I, I know Shields has been on before talking about West Ham, but I, I really do think the major problem is the squad depth. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, Arsenal's three subs, written them down here, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli and Pepe, they all came on fairly late when they're trying to get that, that third goal, I think. But, you know, compared to West Ham's Noble and Fredericks. And Fredericks, you know, he, he is one of those that you say, uh, he can't make a 10-yard pass when he's under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, think, I, I didn't well, think I there's the subs were more than glory,
1: do. to be fair, yeah. Um, yeah I I wasn't necessarily in, in in massive agreement with either of those subs actually but to be honest I don't, don't know who was on your bench to, Yeah, well, but
3: with he Johnson doesn't on have your bench anywhere to, to turn to he has um whoever i mentioned in the past that Beko, who played mm. against Man United uh, you know, came on was four nails on the bench uh no he's injured injured uh, Ben Johnson yeah he was on there um uh, maybe maybe he could have gone to five at the back something like mm, that but yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the options for Moyes are pretty limited on the bench. It's just, you know, yeah. Lanzini was there, but you, it's different. It's a different game. You get that Antonio could have had a couple. You score one of them, it's game over for Arsenal and, it, and it's a 4-2 win. Mm. But, yeah. I think
1: Antonio's done such a good job up front in the last, well, probably a year now, at least, and scores scoring a lot of goals. But I still think anything outside of the box or outside of a channel, he's just such a limited player. And uh, I... Lingard was a great signing on loan, but I can't believe that West Ham didn't get a striker and I can't believe in the summer they won't be targeting a first-team striker. Yeah. He's, he's still makeshift and I still think he, as a, his qualities as a footballer aren't, aren't, aren't particularly
3: great. But Yeah, I mean, I, my mate texts me, um, uh it's a, a die-hard West Ham fan that always overreacts to everything. He texts me something saying, like, oh, Antonio's has got to be dropped after that. <laughs> and then you you watch the highlights back and you and every goal he's involved in. The yeah, first yeah, one yeah. he set up uh, Lingard, the second one he won the free kick. Um he certainly
1: causes one... teams issues.
3: I just I just think there's a
1: there's another as an alternative solution or 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 a supplementary solution to him as well, but um yeah, him, him be. being the only option when he actually he can't really do much running after 70 minutes isn't great, but yeah, I uh, Oh, I, I feel your pain. 3-0 to 3 all was not a good performance, so um, good selection for the worst of the week.
0: And there you have it. Um, next up is that time of the week. It's Five Things in the EFL. Five things in the EFL. Five things in the EFL. Five things. You smash it?
2: Um, so I'll read you my headlines first. See if I get a couple of laughs going. I know Cordy <laughs> was a fan of mine last week. Um, so the first headline is: the owls are keeping me up at night. <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, great. Good point. Not a laugh, uh, okay. but as more of a respected uh, cool. appreciation.
1: Are we going to go? Are we going to go into the story, or we're we just going to leave with the headlines and then go uh, back to
3: the stories?
2: Um, headlines first. Cool. Well, I okay. might be slightly walking, mocking
3: though if we if we sort of laughed hysterically you i mean you can't yeah. be after hysterical laughs well let's try let's let's go next one right. <clears throat>
2: anyway they're not even that funny after that um <laughs> 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 there's <is laughs> his laugh
0: yeah he is well, dude, i do i edit it so like, that was the response to the headline
2: <laughs> uh the hornets are buzzing
0: that's pretty yeah, standard really yeah. good, really, no good. i liked it though no, yeah.
2: Yeah. uh watkins showing
0: the way just a w based uh alliteration yeah, uh,
2: sure. then one to watch, <laughs> one to watch standard and uh, play up Cowleys, Cowleys play up.
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, it's Pompey, is it? Sure. Yeah.
2: Oh, well, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So the hours keep are keeping me up at night. Um. Unfortunately, uh, this is my performance of the week, and it hurts me because it's Barnsley losing. Um. Barnsley won Sheffield Wednesday 2, so I've been pro Barnsley. Uh, last month or so, being a fan and with the underdog story in the championship at the moment, potential unlikely promotion but based on current form I, uh, I've got to give Sheffield Wednesday some praise for this win going into the game uh, we were unbeaten 12 I think we won like 7 or 8 in a row in that period um, Sheffield Wednesday hadn't won in an 8 and lost 7 in a row in that period Um <laughs> But like it, it was a derby, and form goes out the window, doesn't it? As they say. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of that um, derby. <laughs> no? Um, the, the big bars the other Sh- week. Chef Wed. <laughs> yeah, South Yorkshire, mate. <laughs> um on. So Sheffield uh, Wednesday did deserve the win. Uh They had a game plan, which worked. They uh, got behind our higher high line, Um and we weren't really on it on the day. And the talismanic Jordan Rhodes got both goals for Wednesday. Which, um, annoyingly, he's actually a client, client of mine at work. <laughs> um, so I had to refrain from sending a furious email to him. Uh, Can you say um, that on the pod? Yep., there's some
1: sort of client confidentiality thing you, got to agree. <laughs> okay. Um,
2: <laughs> I anyway, those two goals those two goals took Rhodes onto 114 championship goals in his career. He's eight away now from being the all-time championship goal scorer. Wow. Any hazards of a guess for who's number one on 122 you... goals? Got it in one. Was that actually? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. great. One appearance, yeah. one goal. Yeah. goal, that. Yeah. 100% record. Well, that's ruined the fun, Nick. Got it straight away. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Blocked out like
3: five minutes for this. He hasn't got, he hasn't
2: <laughs> got Nothing left. <laughs> it's alright. Um right, that's the first one done. We got the Barnsley paint out of the way. Um the Hornets are buzzing. Um Watford, obviously. I thought I'd mention then to give Nick another chance to um praise the Chatterba goal yeah. from last And he got week. another goal this week, header. Yeah, rubbish goal oh. compared to this one the week before. But I didn't mention it last week because it's too much Chelsea bias already in this pod. Fair. Fair it is probably right. Um so, the top two in the champ are Norwich and Watford. Looks like immediate returns to the Premier League. Uh, Watford beat Birmingham 3-0 comfortably at the weekend without their main man, Ishmael Dasar, Um Just shows um, the strength in depth of the Premier League squads that they still have these two, um, main, uh, Watford and Norwich. Um, Watford have won the last nine out of ten now. Early in the season... They um, weren't really winning away from home. They're finding it hard to score loads, but uh, they brought in Cisco as their manager. Heard him before? I haven't. um, Thong song, isn't it? Sorry?
1: That's the thong song, doesn't he? He sings that song. (laughs) That's the guy.
0: Let me see... No. (laughs) Um,
2: But um, since he's come in... They're not conceding anymore and they're scoring hatful, hatful goals, and they're playing attractive football. Um, I think their likely promotion kind of epitomises um, like the times are in the transfer market. They didn't, really, they weren't really four sellers last summer. I think they only lost to Corey, Dawson, and Welbeck from their squad, um, and like because of COVID, teams not really buying. They didn't sell anyone and added to that, championship clubs weren't really able to strengthen either because of the climate and the transfer market. So Watford and Norwich were always favourites to kind of bounce back up and it looks like they're worth going into. Um, yeah, they only got in. to get a
3: couple more wins, I think, haven't they? It's a few more wins and then you feel like they're going to tie that up.
2: Yeah, Norwich definitely. Norwich are like, Way clear at the top, they'll be they champions. Then Watford are about seven clear now. I think Swansea have a game in hand, but Watford have a great running up until like the last three games. So I'd expect them to keep winning, winning really. Um, so that both of those will be back next season. Uh, next one, Watkins showing the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this headline is celebrating or signifying how important the EFL is. To creating English superstars and Premier League uh, superstars. So, Ollie Watkins got his first call up last week to the England squad. Hmm. Did anyone hear how he found out? Hear the story?
0: It's often no. like a text, isn't it? But I imagine it's something a bit more.
2: Yeah. Oh, he thought he was getting chased to pay a parking fine. Oh, really? So, um, <laughs> yeah. But. Um, yeah, up until last season, he spent six years in the lower leagues, a couple in the League 2 at Exeter, and then a couple of years at Brentford. And he's a rare story. Not many England players have to make this way up the league um, to get their call-up. But a England squad, um, they haven't all done it the way he has, mainly loans. But 23 of the 26-man squad have all played in the Football League at some point in their career. Um, which shows yeah. how important... The is in player development. Um, for example, you've got Mason Mount at Derby, rich James at Wigan. Dean Henderson had a couple of loans at Shrewsbury and then um, Sheffield United. you going to say the had... Barnsley
3: one? Is Barnsley no. going to get mentioned?
2: John no, Stones? We well, if you want me to say, I'll say John Stones. And Tri- we had trippie Tri- on loan uh, for a season and a half as well. Before okay, I didn't know that. Um, Kane, actually, is probably the one that goes against it because he was rubbish on loan in the football league before he went to Spurs. Would you agree, Tom? Mm-hmm.
0: He did, well, he didn't hit the numbers. that He, uh, he didn't show no. that much promise, no. He, I think at Millwall we did quite well, but otherwise, yes. yeah. Uh,
2: very surprising how, a how Tom. Become, sure. Is that good? There's
3: a um, brilliant photo, isn't there, where, where Kane and Vardy are both yeah. on the bench for Leicester.
0: Yeah. They <laughs> didn't,
3: didn't really realise what they had there. Uh,
1: yeah. Not
2: at all. Yeah. Um, another couple Lingard got on his championship debut four goals in like the first half for Birmingham I think <laughs> against Sheffield Wednesday and obviously Greedish has spent a couple of seasons and really developed into the world that he is almost mm-hmm. um, but yeah it could it shows the importance of the EFL and like you look at players that could do something similar Tony at Brentford could go the same way as um, Watkins Harvey Elliott on loan at Blackburn at the moment. Michael Lease, I think, at Reading and Nick's favourite Omar Richards. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what he called him the other week. Omar Roberts. Um,
0: nice.
2: Yeah. Um <laughs> that's just celebrating the Football League. Who just a quick um, one,
1: who who does anyone know the three players who haven't featured in the EFL who are in the England squad?
3: Got Phil Foden's gotta be one. Yeah. Uh, nice.
1: Um, quick one there um, yeah I won't it. answer because I think sac- I know is another one uh, it's a Saka Foden and, and then I've actually forgotten the other one do you know the other one Gerald? no
2: but one of the brilliant it's a great podcast we got Rice Rice Rice, uh, right, yeah, but Rice yeah. the, they're counting the EFL Cup or whatever it yeah. is um, yeah so doesn't play, really count. play for count the under
1: West 23s Ham, West Ham against other EFL clubs so it doesn't count but oh <sighs> get lost um, <laughs> yeah I well. Uh, I've forgotten the other one so we'll, we'll edit that bit out brilliant yeah. great
0: podcasting <laughs> also what's happening here is I think last time Sheld was on Barnsley were like definitely getting promoted and he was like oh if they get promoted forget the EFL do you know what I mean like ready to drop it um, he wouldn't care he said uh, now they've lost He has, he's doing a feature bigging up the EFL just to, <laughs> do you know what I mean to, Not, to, uh, to, uh, to salvage to his relevance proving
2: Gone. his value yeah my words were very much taken out of context.
1: Um, I, I literally quoted your text. Oh, <laughs> fibs.
0: Show me a screenshot. I, I thought it was in news live. It was a text, uh, even more factual then. We've got it in black and white pixel.
2: The last time I was on was when we preview, previewed Chelsea Barnsley. This is before we went on our run. Um,
0: ah. Chelsea sparked the
2: run. And we sparked Chelsea's run. We gave Chelsea their best game under on, on Tuchel, I reckon.
0: Yeah, um, probably fair. There
2: you go, but anyway, next um, one to watch. One to watch, Louis Sibley, or oh, one to watch. So I said that. Yeah,
0: you're um, getting... Louis yeah. Sidley. I'm keeping this in though. Go on.
2: Um, <laughs> anyone heard of him, Louis Sibley? Nineteen yeah, year old. i heard of him. It looked like you were about to say something. I have.
3: Yeah. Just, just as Nick said, you know, only because I'm really taking any interest in the FL because of Rooney. Really, yeah. It's one of those. You kind of mm-hmm. keep an eye out a little bit. Well,
2: he started playing um, last season. Is that right? Yeah, he burst onto the scene um, after lockdown. So when the season resumed, um, on his second start, he got a hat trick at Millwall. So pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah, I think he's been injured for a bit this season, so he hasn't really hit the numbers this year. But um, I think he's one, definitely one to watch. He's a tricky little customer. Um, always find those, you know, pockets of spaces. <laughs> um in dangerous areas. He looks comfortable on the ball, um and assured on the ball, whether he's passing or running at defenders. Um he's got a sweet left foot on him, can finesse the ball in or strike it hard. It's basically a shining light in a dreary derby season mm. so far. The battling relegation. Um I don't really think he's ready for Premier really League yet. Um I think he needs probably a couple of seasons. In the championship just to further his development but um i think he's definitely an england prospect um amongst our array of attacking attacking talent maybe you won't ever get ever get a uh with because we're too good up front but um yeah he's uh definitely one to keep an eye out on we we'll do last last one yep the cowdy boys play up cowdies um this is in part because I wanted to follow up from my headline last week of Kenny Jacket has lost his coat. Yes, <laughs> or told to get told to lose his get his coat. Sorry, I said that wrong. <laughs> um, even even better. Uh, so Danny Cowley has been appointed Portsmouth new head coach on the initial deal end of the season, assisted by his younger brother Nicky, who goes wherever he goes. Basically, um, so I, I really like this appointment. Uh, the Cowleys seem to. Take over a club when they're in a bad way and leave them in a better position. Um, so a couple of examples track record, um, originally started at Concord Rangers, yeah. um, in six seasons. Got hold on, didn't he? Motive. He started as a PE teacher, didn't he? he yeah, he yeah. you know
3: was um, a teacher in, in Rayleigh, wasn't he? That yeah. uh, he's my mate's form tutor. <laughs> um, he he, yeah. he, he he always tells me that uh, very strict, apparently. Um, so you know, people you the call Gareth Southgate the, the PE teacher Cowley is literally a PE mm. teacher nice. not anymore but he's
2: rolling in it yeah. I reckon you can tell us the rest about his career as well got on. nothing
3: after that Concord Rangers <laughs> Portsmouth,
2: Lincoln somewhere Link, in the middle Lincoln and uh, Huddersfield yeah i blanks fill in the blanks, fill in the blanks. On, all right. Concord, three promotions in six seasons left him in the conference south Lincoln, National League to League One in three seasons. Huddersfield um, only got a season there, but when he took over, they are 23rd, no wins in the first six, and he kept them comfortably safe. Um, it was a strange one when, when he got sacked by Huddersfield. They went for um, the lead assistant coach, the ones to play better football. Um, but I think the record's anything to go by. Pompey could finally make a return to the champ, which mm. they desperately need. They're a championship club, aren't they, Portsmouth, at least. So yep. um, be nice to see them return. And that's a lot from the EFL.
0: You heard it here first. Ooh. And that's five things, five things in the EFL. Five things in the EFL. Five things in the EFL. Five things. In the EFL. Five things. You definitely smashed it. So, as we always do, we uh, start the podcast looking uh, backwards at the the previous week um, across the footballing world. It's now time to look forward with Match Spotlight. Um, This week, we are going international. Um, Of course, England have three um, World Cup um, qualifying fixtures. Uh, Firstly, they're at home against San Marino, away in Albania, and finally, again at home against Poland. Um, I guess the question really isn't this week what the score is going to be, but rather what do we want to see from these fixtures in our preparation for the summer tournament? Um, I'll start with Nick.
1: So I think first you've got a really tough test, obviously, in San Marino. We've got to get past Dante Rossi, Rossi at the back, who wins 2.3 aerial duels every game. Felipe Barardi, who attempts 2.3 shots a game. Nicola Nani, a deadly striker, playing in Syria. So we've really got to watch out for these key San Marino players. Um, but no, seriously, they have their last goals uh, they scored was in November 2019. Um, they've scored two goals, and that's against Kazakhstan, by the way. They've scored two goals in their last 30 matches, and probably more. 30 matches is the most I could scroll to on the app I had on my phone. So it could be 60 matches, I don't know. But they've scored two goals in 30, which is diabolical anyway. Um, in that game, I think it will give Southgate a chance to see some of the fringe players and some of the players who he wants to have a look at. I don't think it's going to tell him much, though, which is unfortunate because we're not going to play against a San Marino in, in the Euros or a World Cup. So it's probably a bit of a dead fixture, really. But I think it, what he'll probably do is give the key players a rest, give uh, some of the fringe players a chance in that game. So I'm not really going to look into that one too much. Um, Albania, I think, will be a slightly tougher test and probably reflective of, sort of some of our weaker group games, maybe in the Euros and World Cup. So I think that that would be a good, good chance to give... I think in that game, we'll see a mixture so we'll see a mixture of the of the key players who 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 want to see starting in the summer, and then uh, some 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 of the fringe players who who maybe could make the squad again. And then I think Poland, as we know, is a much tougher test. Obviously, they've got uh, they've got Lewandowski, as we know, Milik, uh, who's playing at Marseille on loan from from Napoli. Szczesny, uh, obviously, in goal uh, for Juve, ex Arsenal. Um, they've got they've got some good players. They've they've narrowly lost recently to Italy and the Netherlands, um, which is is no. Uh, Nothing to be ashamed of. So I think the Poland game, unfortunately, is the last game. So it's the next one before the players return to the club. So the clubs aren't going to be too happy. But I think in the Poland game, we will see, uh, obviously, squad and injuries um, available. I think we'll see his strongest team. And it'll be interesting to see, for me, across the three games, the most important thing that I'm looking out for is the shape to see what he goes with I think if he goes with the 3-4-3 three, three or, or the three at the back mm. I think it's pretty much guaranteed that we'll, we'll carry on and play that in in the summer whereas I think if he if he tries other formations maybe that suggests that he's not he's not entirely sure what the best shape is and best uh formation is and, and there might be something different in the summer
2: yeah, see that Lewandowski isn't being allowed to play against us though
1: oh is that right because of the German situation
2: I think it's potential, in which case it becomes a much much easier, fix nicer it. game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know that.
3: Do you think yeah. you'll bother with the, you know, free, sort of free at the back, if you like, for the first? I mean, San Marino. They're just looking at them here. They've recently lost six 0 to Scotland. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Bear in mind, we've got second uh, Scotland, the second game in in the Euros uh, in the group.
0: But it's not these three at the really back great. wouldn't be to win the game. Uh, it would be to try and store system to the to the squad. Yeah,
3: yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and also you could have basically just one at the back and the two centre backs either side. Just <laughs> you know push up. Yeah, we've seen Harry Maguire do it. before. Walker is is someone that Southgate's trusted in that position. Yeah, yeah. you know you're basically playing as midfielder there. Yeah,
1: well, although you're sacrificing like a, an attacking player. I, I still think in if you play it in the right way the system is as attacking as it is uh any other system any other system mm. you just have to get the right players in the right areas and, and attack with the right number of players as, as long as you the players you've got on the pitch are capable of doing that like you said walker in a right center back role well he's going to push on isn't he clearly um so so i, I don't think he's as defensive as it sounds and like you said tom it, it'll be more a case of yeah we can play forward back against san, san marino if we want but if if we go through the back that's obviously him training that that formation and getting patterns of playing games and things like that so i think that he might he probably will stick to that is anyone yeah.
3: going to bother watching that game uh, you know christ
0: well i, mean, I think <laughs> yeah in isolation the games aren't too exciting well Sa-
3: no San marino is just awful albania yeah <laughs> poland okay for um, me though if there's it.
0: if there's one moment or 125 minute passage of play where we've got a strong team on and they're playing a formation it's evident that that's what Southgate prefer, prefers and they're, they're playing really well maybe Foden's getting a lot of the ball I don't know then I'm like this is exciting this is the first time really that I, I'm seeing um, the team that we're likely to see in the summer play and play well and that's what I'm hoping for at some point in these three matches. Cheryl you about to say something?
1: Um, no, I've forgotten. That. I, <laughs> I was going to say, in isolation, these three games are like they're pretty drab. We're going to qualify for the World Cup, famous last words. But we will qualify for the World Cup, so they don't really matter. But with the backdrop of the Euros, I think it's just everyone's l- looking and eager to see right. What can we? What can we gather from these matches that might replicate itself in the Euros? So I think that mm. that's probably the key thing to watch out for. Really,
2: we want three professional yet exciting performances, don't we? We like. <laughs> It's inevitable we're going to qualify, so I think anything but three wins is a failure, especially if Poland don't have Lewandowski. Although well, they have got Barney centre back Poland, so we might not score against them.
0: Um, <laughs> there
3: you go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? It, it? It's a for Southgate, it's one of those games that you have to win comfortably, otherwise, the press are going to be all over his yeah. back and the team's back straight away. Um, you've you've got to beat San Marino 6-0 you've got to beat uh, Albania comfortably and then you've got to beat Poland it it's, yeah. I, I think it's a lot harder than it sounds it's, know, it's, those, yeah
1: there's no win no win there is there it's lose-lose-lose
0: yeah. basically but uh, yeah oh well and that's this week's Match Spotlight moving on to the England half of the podcast um, although the Match Spotlight was about England wasn't it but uh, I'm just not used to saying that Um Anyway, it's England Youth Watch. This week, we're discussing uh, Manchester United's number 29. It's a 23-year-old, £50 million uh, signing from Crystal Palace. It's Aaron Wan-Pisaka. Let's start with Sheld. Um, What are your thoughts on uh, Wan-Pisaka? Um, is he as good as uh, people make him out? Or have you got concerns like other fans have stated um, during his time at uh, Old Trafford?
2: I think he's really unlucky at the moment in the sense that we know he's probably the best defensive right-back wing-back in the league, um, especially on -on one-on-one defending. But in this day and age, you need the all-round game. You need to be complete. A winger, you need to, um, or wing back, you need to be able to attack as well. Um, And at the moment, although I think I saw he's got the most tackles in the league, but that's a given with him. Um, At the moment, he's not really, the concern is not really creating enough chances going forward. You've got players like Reese James who are more complete going forward. Mm. Um, In any, in any, any other generation, he probably, hands down, is England's starter. Um, we had a period when we had Danny Mills and Luke Young as our right-backs. So um, I think he's unlucky that there are more complete right-backs ahead of him. Um, and it looks like he's going to have to um, switch nationality because he can't get an England team whatsoever. I yeah, mean, it's if, Trent, if, if Trent's not getting the squad, um, who's obviously more attacking. Uh, they need to combine their games, those two, Trent and Wamzaka. <laughs> But
3: is he? I mean, the argument for him in the squad is that he is the best defensive uh I'm not right sure back he we is. have. Do you? Are you going to say Reece James? Aren't you? No, I, I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm not, not going
1: to compare him to other right backs here. I just think that he's. So for me, he's the best tackler we have at the right back. Yeah. But I don't think that necessarily means you're the best defensive. Like his, his quantity of tackles is ridiculous. He's way ahead of any of the other right backs in in the Premier League uh, and and in, in the English right backs. Particularly slide tackles, but the best defenders are always in the right position and aren't making those last ditch tackles all of the time. Yeah, they might make have to make them some of the time, like obviously Ashley Cole used to do. But but for me, he has to. He uses he relies on his pace too much to get him out of trouble, and and against the very top teams, that that will come unstuck. Um, and there's an argument to say, well, the results are the same either way. If you if you're sliding and win the ball and stopping a goal, or you're already already in that position and stopping a goal. But for me, I'd rather have someone who's there uh, and not having to make that last gas tackle um, rather than someone who, who's sliding in and, and potentially giving away fouls or penalties in the area, if, uh, or, or at least a risk of that. So for me, I, I think that people lord his defensive abilities maybe more than they should. I think he's a good defensive right back, but I don't think he's like this like absolute guru defensive right back. Like maybe Neville was, who was sort of bait his game was based on that really. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that, and then obviously combine that with his lack of attacking ability whatsoever. Um, I just I think there's there's at least four right backs ahead of him for me. Uh,
3: uh, yeah, the the, the come to that slightly is that I was having a quick look just to, to see where he does stack up in numbers in terms of the others, and mainly actually to do with Trent, you know, being left out, but mm. he comes up in this, and so uh, the other right back just compares it against a, a Trent. Um, Ailing Cash Walker and James mm. those other you know other english right backs you could southgate could be looking at so the the one stat that comes back to that um you know that perhaps he's not in the right position or a couple of stats that do or or he's he's always out of position are true interceptions so he's the second ranking out of those um out of those right backs in in you know and just comparing two quickly 5.4 uh, true interceptions uh, per ninety minutes versus Reece James three point four dribble pass rate. This is the most impressive for me. Reece James thirty percent, Aaron Wan Bissaka eleven and mm-hmm. a half percent, and that's way ahead of the next best Trent Alexander twenty eight point eight percent. For me, he he's he's someone that could probably fit better as a centre back or a or a right centre back in in the back three. I, I think now that you have to be so advanced in the attacking area, you know, when you're, when you're playing as a right back or a right wing back that you, he just hasn't got that very unlikely to develop that. You know, occasionally you mm-hmm. do see him putting a good cross, but I don't know whether or not he'd be more suited to that right center back role or playing in a back four. Maybe if you're, you know, if you're a team like Manchester United, who are on the, the front foot most of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that would be my only thing. You know, he's a good alternative option to to the right backs we have in the squad, and um, and could he be playing
2: elsewhere? Yeah, possibly. It's a good shout. Doesn't look confident when he goes forward. He's always looking to no. turn back and pass to someone else. I think he put in a good cross for um, maybe Martial against Newcastle early, early in the season, or oh, no Villa actually Villa. Um, but yeah, apart from that, he doesn't really pose any attacking threat. He just wants to pass the creative job on someone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially with the formation we're expected to play. I don't think he, he definitely doesn't suit the right wing-back role. As you said, Crawley, you could see him in the right centre-back, but it'd be a massive gamble. Uh, and given that we've got Walker there, I don't think there's any disp- disposing of him at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for me, um, I, I don't think he'll make it into the England squad anytime soon. So I think he'll, he's probably right to switch to Congo,
2: which it looks like he might be doing. He's removed um, the England flag or something. Something hasn't he from his um like Twitter or Instagram? Bio. No, really,
1: yeah. He's actually played for Congo under 20 level before he played for England, so he sort of he, it's not one of those where he's like turning his back on England just because he's not making this squad. He obviously does feel a
3: true connection to Congo, so who watches for that though on like Twitter, or Instagram, where he's got like an England flag? <laughs> he takes that out. Who's looking out for that? It's the same like you see these people on Twitter, they're uh, and they go oh Jadon Sancho's liked yeah yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Solskjaer's tweet yeah it's so, like uh, oh yeah. he must be moving to Escher's United after that
0: and that's England Youth Watch yeah. And next, we're talking about the England Power Rankings. Of course, that's when we discuss the English pool of players, how they perform this week, and how that affects their chances in making Southgate's plane, or as we said in the weeks prior, Southgate's train down down from Staffordshire or whatever. So we have got some questions. Um, Before we we start the questions, and then eventually Nick's Moves and Shakers, let's discuss the England squad that was announced this week. Um, Of course, we've uh, we've already mentioned uh, Jay Lings, inclusion into the squad but um I think someone briefly mentioned it during the youth watch Trent has been uh, uh, what's the word um excluded uh, and th- that's big news to me Nick how, what how did you react uh, to, to the news
1: oh yeah I was surprised um I, I was surprised that obviously he's a mission but also the fact that it was trippy ahead of him um I think Southgate likes Trippier and Trippier actually before he was banned um, for for betting or enabling betting, um, he was performing very, very well for Atletico and and he's actually now just come back. But I I thought for that reason, maybe like a little FA sort of yes man gambling uh, ban that he wouldn't be picked and wouldn't be considered for the summer. Uh, And and especially given that he's had, I think, 10 weeks out of football and and hardly played. So I didn't think he'd be picked, but obviously it's showing that Southgate likes him, Southgate trusts him. Uh, And obviously he's played that system for England in in the World Cup as well. So, um, yeah, my first thought was maybe he's resting Trent, but but it doesn't seem that way from the comments that have been made since. Um, uh, For me, the only thing I would say is that if Southgate doesn't, I don't know, doesn't trust Trent or doesn't think he's going to suit the system that he's going to play in the summer, then fair enough. I, I, I do think England have been guilty in the past of picking the best players and trying to pigeonhole them into a system. Mm-hmm. And if Southgate has had a look at the right backs and gone, well, I want Walker because he's going to fit that right center back role. And I think and it, he thinks that Trippier and James are going to be uh, a better selection for a right wing back role rather than a right back role. Then, then maybe he's justified to do that. So I, I don't disagree with it. I just think that it's, un, it's it's strange because Trent's strengths are that going forward. So it seems perfect for a wing back role, but, um, but maybe, um, Rhys James playing well in a in a five at the back now and a right wing-back role for Chelsea under Tuchel has sort of influenced him slightly and, and made him change his mind and, and drop Trent. But I, st- I still think he'll... I don't know. I still think he'll be in the squad in the summer because I think it'll be too too big of a story to not include him. And it, and he won't want that negative he-
3: headline, but but it'll be an interesting one to see if he does or not.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. another... Go on, sorry, Ben.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, it, it, it seems strange, counterproductive, really. Southgate wants a team that's playing quick passing football, and and Trent's probably the one of the quickest and most technically gifted you know, passers of the ball in in the squad. Uh, and you know he's someone that hasn't let Southgate down, has he? He's talked in the past Southgate about Pickford never letting him down, and therefore he's his man, he'll stand by him, etc., etc., etc. But then you know it seems completely opposite to what he's done to Trent.
0: Moving on to the questions that, we, uh, that have been um, posed to the Wembley Way guests this week on Twitter, uh, which are England Power Ranking related. Our first is from Jack at the Tricky Reds, who asks, um, after my comment last week, can England realistically win a major trophy with Gareth Southgate? If the answer is yes, yes. Sorry. If the answer is yes, what on his CV tells you so? And can I arrange for you to be drug tested? <laughs> We go to um, Sheld.
2: Um, I mean, I can't really vouch for Southgate's track record. Um, but he's got the squad there that is capable of doing it. Um, in an attacking sense, we probably got one of the best um, attacks around. Obviously, defence is questionable. But um, managerially, was, I can't I only remember he's managed Middlesbrough, isn't he? Southgate. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, he loved the waistcoat there as well. I remember, um, <laughs> but is that all he's got? Yeah, <laughs> literally. I mean, it works in the sum in the in the World Cup. It worked. I mean, the euphoria is kind of worn off now, isn't it? From the World Cup, um, we all love Southgate again.
0: By, by God, we're hungry for it again, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Well,
3: there was a, there, yeah, you're right. People loving him after that, and to be fair, I I was loving him too. So I was on that bandwagon, yeah. but then but I think yeah. I think I
1: think he brought the nation, brought nation, and the team closer together. There was, there's for me, I think there's a chance we can win the Euros. I don't think we'll win the World Cup because I think the World Cup is a different kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. But with the Euros, I feel like it's a bit more potluck. It's, it's obviously a smaller competition with less less teams in it. We've got we've, we've got probably the best team spirit in England squad I've ever had, or say I've had for for many years. Um, especially in, in sort of my generation, I think, um, the players seem seem to be all on one page, sort of almost friends with each other, whereas you listen to stories about Lampard and Gerrard and Rio, they wouldn't even talk to each other really when they're on international duty because of their club rivalries. I don't no. think that sort of animosity uh, exists anymore. Yep. So for me, I do feel like the spirit we have is, is great. We've got, we've got a couple of world-class players dotted in the squad. I think you'd probably say Henderson, having lifted the Premier League and Champions League as captain of Liverpool, Kane, obviously Spurs Sterling. I think you could argue is is up there in terms of that world class ability as well. And then we've got like a sprinkling of of really young, hungry players, very talented players. Um, So, I I, yeah, I mean, in the current squad, I think we've got four players. I know three exclude Sancho um, players who who have won uh, an under seventeen or an under twenty World Cup at youth level, which obviously not the same thing, but they've got tournament experience and winning mentality. So, I. I don't think South Africa's got anything on his CV to suggest we could win it, but I don't think that necessarily means we can't win it.
3: Yeah. I mean, look at Just looking quickly at um, World Cup and European Championship winning managers over the last sort of 10 years, every single manager has got a pedigree before they've won the, the tournament. Um, mm. Although yeah. the only one I could find um, was the France on uh, tw- 2000 win uh, when they won the Euros, and obviously uh, this is a this is a guy I'm, Was I at the time raymond dominic no so it no it wasn't was it it was um roger le maire um mm-hmm. not heard of him and in yeah. fact before he'd so he, he won the euros with with uh with france but before that it it basically won nothing as mm-hmm. as a manager and didn't really seem to have any pedigree at all um let's hope south dates all
2: le then Absolutely.
1: I hope so With Greece as well. They won it, didn't they?
3: So yeah, but even that. So I've, I, I thought the same. Um, But it's Otto Rehagel who who won that. Who, who had a pedigree elsewhere before. So mm. just yeah. I, I mean, to answer Jack's question, I can't see it happening. I'm afraid. You
2: got to think. Oh, I think look, gone to on show. We're probably not going to play anyone difficult until like the quarters or the semis, and then it's just a 90-minute game at Wembley where we're renowned well, to be quite I've, strong. I've, I've,
3: I've, you say that. I, I had a look the other day at, because um, I was trying to work out, I've got tickets to the semis, you know, fingers crossed if we can all go. And, uh, you know, trying to work out if we win, Get you know, like you do, you go through, if we win the group, we'd do this. And the group along, I think, is the, the group of Jeff. That's the one of Portugal, Germany, and I forget there's one more. It might be France. Mm. um but basically if we win you know win the group then they're the next they're pretty the cool. next lot that we play it's either you know third place or second or runner up you know regardless where we come in the group i could see us going out in the next round basically if we, mm. we come up against one of them
0: and that's yeah. the end of the uh, Wembley way episode uh, <laughs> no uh... <laughs> it is Yeah,
1: Portugal France Germany calling yeah it's pretty sad isn't it
2: portugal on yeah. my uh, dark horses actually um well they're they like twelve to one or something, aren't they? They got they've got an unreal squad now. Um mm. Fernandez, Ronaldo, Jao Felix, they got Diaz, Incanchelo, um mm. Andre Silva, Jota, Bernardo Silva.
0: Bernardo, Bernardo Silva, yeah. But in the words yeah. of Mike Bassett, we're England mm-hmm. <laughs> Have they faith. Are. Have faith. I think um, yeah. back to Southgate. I think he's an honest man, and he, he's a man who doesn't make all about himself. And I, and he's my antidote to uh, Jose at the moment. <laughs> and um opposite. Th- Yeah, and I, but in, a, in a, but in a similar way to Jose, or at least in Jose's past, he has. A, I think he has a knack of making players play for him. I think, mm. and I think the, the likes of Kane, um, certainly Lingard. Um, I think the senior heads in the squad—they—they—they they, they get on with. I mean, I, I can't know this for a fact, but I feel like they get on with Southgate, um, and that's 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 a rarity as well. Remember Hodgson, Capello; these managers, um, I don't, I'm not sure, uh, have been uh, successful in um, binding the team together. Um, probably, and... probably not
2: since uh, Bobby Robson in the ninety, 1991. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't alive yeah. then, but obviously saw the documentaries on it. But uh... yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, too right. So, yeah, I have faith, is all i say. Uh, our next question um, is from Chris Irvin at Christopher underscore A underscore I. He asks, why hasn't the rise of English managers in top jobs correlated with our country's ability to produce a generation of talented young players? Is it just a matter of time or a more deep-rooted issue? So I would, I mean, in reading this for the first time, I was thinking, I think we are producing talented... On <laughs> your homework. Well, it's, I've got I it. I did say only. this
3: at the start, didn't I?
0: Yeah, we, ha- we are producing talented young players. Crawley, explain. Uh, explain managers, us. he said, didn't he? No. Wh- why hasn't the rise of English managers in top jobs correlated with our country's ability to produce a generation of talented young players? So that's assuming... I'd uh, argue it's the other way around. Yeah, so no,
1: he's, no, Chris is saying we're producing very good young players, but we've got no good young English managers.
0: Why hasn't the rise... I don't think, I don't think <laughs> it is. he's saying that. But why he, hasn't
1: the rise of managers kept up with the rise of young players? yeah sure well, that's how i read it as well yeah exactly that's definitely the question
3: if you know chris that's how you should interpret it
1: it's not the other way around neither is it because we are producing very good young players but not known managers
0: so it reads like that but um i agree <laughs> i was about to say it should be the other way around so maybe he means it the other way around or i'm just reading it wrong in uh, any read, case
1: oh uh, yeah i think you're reading it wrong uh <laughs> <laughs> i'll answer the question i thought it was going to be Okay. Uh, which, which is why, yeah, why are we producing good young managers? No, yeah. uh, so I think it's a valid question. There's, there's a couple dotted around out there, sort of the Eddie Howe, Scott Parker showing promise. Obviously Lampard went in maybe too early at Chelsea, but Gerrard's doing really well. Even people like um, Darren Moore who's done okay in the jobs he's, he's had. Um, Jerry Barton's done okay, but uh, for me, I think there's there's not enough and there's not very many. And I think there's um, four reasons. I'll quickly run through them. One is there's a, in the Premier League, there's a lot of foreign owners compared to other, le- other nations have predominantly their own um, nationality owning the football clubs. Mm-hmm. So we've got um, 10 British managers in the Premier League, which is actually the highest it's been for some time. Four of which come from the five British-owned clubs and a further two come from clubs who, have, who had British owners and have just sold to foreign owners. So six out of the 10 are basically British-owned clubs and have the British managers and then you've got four from the remaining thirteen clubs. So I think that's one reason, as a start, that foreign owners are more likely to hire foreign managers because because they, they know them and that they speak their language. They can they can communicate more easily with them. Um, two is the pathways. So I think if you look at probably Germany are producing a lot of the good managers at the moment. You've got a lot of the good young managers. Um, there's a pathway there for them where they coach in the academy, they coach for the reserves, they become an assistant manager and then become a, become a manager when the first team manager moves on. So Klopp, Tuchel, Nagelsmann, uh, Marco Rose, Rosa, uh, Daniel Fark, Hassan, uh, Hassan Hute, who have all done that, uh, um, coached under different managers and managed in, in the academy. So I think that doesn't happen in England. I can't remember the last person who's sort of managed in the academy and then gone to the under-23s and then become an assistant and then become a manager can't think of any of those on the list that I mentioned who have done that sort of progression really I mean, um, Brendan so I don't think Rogers uh, probably,
2: probably done that but not directly at the same club
1: yeah Brendan Rogers really came from the Chelsea Academy really but I think again and the, English, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think three is a little bit of unconscious bias maybe like foreign coaches are undoubtedly sort of sexier in the football world um, I do think there's been some managers who have done a great job at some lower Premier League clubs, um, Sean Dyche, Chris Wilder, Dean Smith, Graham Potter now, everyone's starting to take note. Um, and I, I do think they would probably be credited a little bit more maybe if they were foreign and people would be would take a risk on, on hiring them for maybe a better club. Um, and then I do think that the ones who are given the chance are the big names and those ones are potentially thrust in too early. Um, obviously, we've seen what's happened with Lampard at, at Chelsea. I think everyone would agree that it was too early for him. Hard to turn down, but too early for him um in Shearer southgate they all went into clubs when they basically had no coaching experience whatsoever and they all went into premier league clubs um on southgate got appointed middle manager when he had no pro- coaching badges and the premier league almost opposed him being appointed because of the- for that reason so it's definitely it's definitely an issue that the ones with the name get the opportunities and the ones behind the scenes don't um yeah, there's pl- yeah. there's plenty of younger coaches in in uh, academies and and sort of in coaching setups so i think we'll start to come through now and I think they'll be given that chance like the German managers have been given that chance I think they will I mean I know two at Chelsea Joe Edwards and Anthony Barry who are very very highly regarded coaches both sort of 33 34 years old Graham Potter is, is one who really who's had that chance in the Premier League now who didn't really have a glorified playing career and has gone elsewhere uh out in Ostersunds to get a, um a coaching experience and managerial experience and has come back and that's 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 paying off so yeah, um, that, that
3: that's the thing yeah. for me that those top clubs, you know, you think about City with Pep, Liverpool with uh, Klopp, um, you could go, the list goes on. Apart from sort of maybe United with Solskjaer and, and obviously more recently with with uh, or recently with Lampard and Chelsea, those top jobs only go to the top managers. Yeah, you've you've sort of got to go. my my sort of feeling at least would be you've got to employ someone with a pedigree. You've got to employ someone who's won championships before, Mm. got a history of doing it at a big club. And so, you know, those English managers aren't going to get an opportunity or very unlikely unless you're Steven Gerrard or Wayne Mm. Rooney or Frank Lampard, for example, (laughs) Steve Bruce, Mark Hughes. Um, You're not going to get one of those big top jobs unless you've won something. And you're probably not You're not going to do that in England unless you you, know, you have a miracle season like Leicester. So, you you know, you've got to think about going abroad. Perhaps you could go to Germany to try and win something there. I mean, Steve McLaren's a great example. The trouble is, though, Ben, is I'll is, is,
1: is yeah. that English English people don't, don't generally speak other languages. Yeah. So like German people come over to England and speak English fluently. Like Tuchel's never worked in England before and literally he's speaking better English than I do like an english manager like neville showed can't go to can't go to yeah. valencia and coach there he said the language barrier is just impossible so I, I do think that's an issue as well um but yeah i don't know i think i think it will come like like with the academy players i think it will follow because that we were way behind on producing good quality youngsters and that and we've caught up with other nations doing that and i think eventually we'll produce very good quality coaches and managers but i think it'll be a few a few years behind some of the other nations
0: all right, Nick, onwards then with the, let's not forget it is the England Power Rankings. Who are your movers and shakers this week?
1: So Sam Johnson, going to give it very, uh, very happy for him to get his called up. I don't think he'll be there in the Euros because um, of Pickford's injury, but I think it's um, worth mentioning. Uh, Cody and Dyer were ones who are outside on our Power Rankings and they have been picked. Um, the the Dyer selection for me is abysmal, but that, that's, that's a personal preference and was actually almost my worst of the week. Um, because I think that's so unjust. He's not, play, he's not even playing for Spurs, let alone playing well for Spurs at the moment. Mm. So um, I, don't, I don't think there's any world in which he should be selected or, or will be selected in the summer, to be honest. Um, Bak- uh, Bakari Osaka obviously being picked, a massive boost for him. Um, I, one thing I would say is we should probably move him to our attackers list because he was shown as the, on the attackers for uh, in the squad. And obviously we picked two other left-backs, which suggests that he's not going to play a left-back. So mm-hmm. um, So that's that. Uh, Ollie Watkins, so he's definitely a mover and shaker. Yeah, he's not even in our power rankings somehow.
0: Yeah, we've, we've slept on that. That's an error, I think. It's
1: definitely an error because we've got like Dwight McNeil and Antonio on the striker on the forwards power rankings. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. So, um, so uh, yeah, Ollie Watkins definitely is, is an oversight. But um, I don't think he would have been as high as we've thought. So obviously his selection means he's, he's head of Bamford. He's head of uh, Ings. I know he's injured, but um, ahead of Tavry Abrahams, uh, Greenwood. So yeah, Ollie Watkins is definitely on the up as well.
0: Absolutely. And as for the, uh, less successful, uh, movers this week? Um, I suppose
1: it's still, you've got the, what the players who are injured. Um, so you, you and really Madison's. I think the longer Madison's out for the less chance he's got. We know that Southgate doesn't particularly fancy him anyway, or hasn't fancied him in the past. So mm. I think that's negative for him. Obviously Trent we've mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I think some there's a few centre backs in there who will be massively disappointed to miss out on the on the squad of 26 like Michael Keane for instance who's been playing quite well and might have thought he would be ahead of Dyer and Cody yeah. um, and even even Tomori who's been impressing massively uh, in Milan uh, has obviously been overlooked and then I think Conser uh, is the one who. There was a lot of talk about him maybe making a squad. And I thought maybe this was the chance for Southgate to give him that chance to have a look at him, yeah. but he hasn't done. So I think there's now zero chance of console making the squad, basically.
0: And that's your England power rankings. Uh, as always, you can check the power rankings and how they change from week to week on the Wembley Way website at thewembleyway.com. And now for our last feature of uh, episode 10 of the Wembley Way podcast, it's time for the listeners' questions.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, England will be playing four, four, fucking two. We've
0: got three questions this week. Um, the first one I'm going to pose to all of you. Um, Paolo Di Canrio at Rio Hoy asks, what is your ideal Premier League? I think it means are the ideal clubs in the Premier League. Uh, your perfect um, list of clubs to yeah. Uh, yeah, attending any given season. Yeah, um,
1: who's the who's the who's the perfect who, the teams that epitomise the Premier League rather than sort of the smaller clubs in there maybe shouldn't be in there.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm
3: going to say Barnsley.
2: <laughs> no, I won't. Don't worry. Um, won't be that biased. <laughs> we are a former Premier League club, though.
0: So, yeah, I'm thinking like for example, Stoke. Right, been in the Premier League for over uh, a decade, but they're still not nah. in that list, are they? No, it's, nah. uh, yeah, it's a funny. There's, t- one.
1: there's teams in that list who have been in the Premier League for less time than Stoke and I would still have them ahead of Stoke. Like, is that
0: because we grew up with them in the list though? I think probably... Maybe,
1: I just don't think Stoke's a think big enough club, is it? I don't know. For, for me, in the current ones, I, I would relegate West Brom, yep. Brighton, Burnley and I'm I'm fond of Palace but probably Palace. Um, They're my four to go out and if I had to replace them with four... I would go with Nottingham Forest, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, and Middlesbrough.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's consistent with my logic, though, to a degree. Yeah, uh, but I yeah. Wouldn't no, I wouldn't have Blackburn
1: in there, which is, which is probably really. Co- well, Rio had it in his question, like, e.g., Blackburn. Sure. I, like, for me, you, I think. have probably got to
2: have them. Yeah, well, they've won it.
1: Yeah, like, so it's really odd for, them, for me not to have it in there. But my, my memories of Blackburn aren't of them winning the league. My memories of Blackburn are like really poor attendances. Yeah. Sort of like your your Wigan Emirates Stadium type things, yeah, and the Venky. So for me, it doesn't that doesn't epitomise Premier League club. I appreciate it. I'm I'm probably a couple of years too young to to remember their their winning ways, but I've
0: um, got i got a, a curveball. Uh, so yeah. AFC Wimbledon with their the logo being very similar to the old Wimbledon logo. We might say I do think in our lifetime they will they will make it, and uh, I think that would be a a nice sight
1: to see. Yeah, with like Vinny Jones managing.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty
1: cool. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of others, well. I suppose. Birmingham, maybe?
0: Norwich? Yeah,
3: Charlton? Charlton, Ipswich? In
2: Birmingham? Yeah,
3: Ipswich. Ipswich. Yeah. I, I'd basically relegate anyone that didn't get 40 points, that, and that would be my my league. And you just, <laughs> you just have you the championship. It. Yeah, and you just have like... what?
1: Well, and so like however many people don't get 40 points, yeah, that, that number come up from the Premier League? You're gone. the yeah. Premier League. You're gone. <laughs> Fair play. what an idea yeah. that is
0: I think I think that's a separate question but I like it <laughs>
1: <laughs> imagine that on the last day of the season like like four teams on 37 points and they're all trying to win yeah. and then in a championship like potentially like four teams can come up but then it could only be one team or no teams like what's that like range of emotions for all teams right. So yeah. it,
3: it, it would bring a whole mm-hmm. new meaning to you know the magical 40 point
0: mark right? it really would, it would it? It? yeah, yeah. Mm. well no uh, good question Paolo and uh Oh, it's not Paolo, is it? It's Rio. (laughs) Um, But but, uh, no, uh, I like that one. A lot of fun. Our next question. um, I think it's for me, isn't it, Nick? Do you want to read it? Um, No. Oh, the next question um, is from Nick. uh, At NickIrvin91. I mean, he should be reading this, but...
1: Uh, I don't have it in front of me.
0: <laughs> brilliant! There you go. Uh, so yeah, he's go. He goes uh, one for Tom. When Jose was appointed, he said the quality in both the squad and the academy excites me. Working with these players is what has attracted me. So Nick has asked: Is Jose failing, and the, and the squad is of the of a top four quality, or is the squad not good enough? Uh, yeah, you can't have it both ways. Uh, the squad is good enough to hit top four. Absolutely. I think we could have done with assigning a centre-back. Uh, Skinny, for example, is uh, highly and uh, regularly touted um, as uh, our, our, the answer to our problems uh, back in, at the start of the season and again in January. Uh, and that, yeah, but um, other than the defence, uh, I do believe with the Heubier, um, the Celso and the bel 3 or maybe Sprinkler, uh, informs Soko if there is such a thing and, and inform Winks as we haven't seen in a couple of years. But I do think there is a midfield there who are extremely capable. Equally, obviously, our front front three, when Bao is playing, oh, if he, if he plays the way he has in the last um, six or seven games, it's the best front three in the league. Um, so I, I certainly think uh, there's enough there to get top four. He said as much at the start. And so, yeah, in the way that... Um, the way um, we've uh, watched our downfall since the turn of the year... Uh, is on uh, Jose that is a failure of Jose's management and, and nothing else um, that's mm-hmm. my answer to that question does anyone have yeah. any comments on that uh, I, I,
1: yeah I just think I think in the, in the summer if, if he if Levy says yeah you can carry on as manager I think he'll be going to Levy and saying look, we need to buy lots of players and I don't think he I don't think that was the understanding at the start when he was first brought in I think it was it was yeah we've got a good squad here give me Three or four players, maybe, to add into that, and, and will be gr- will be great to go. Um, and I think now he's he's either failing and or has learned something about the players that he's got that isn't right and he doesn't
3: like.
0: But I also don't think we need a lot of players. I don't even agree with that. I think we need a centre back and we need a right back. And I think then we and um, I actually the, think
3: the, the defence is just terrible. Spurs' defence is, is awful, including Lloris at the back. It just
0: I think with I think with Toby Rodon um, Tanganga. Uh, Sanchez can have an absolute shocker, um, but I think amongst those current um, crop of centre backs, I think with one very good centre back signing, I think our defence looks a lot better. Equally, a right back um, who who actually uh, looks like he, he should be playing at the Premier League level, as opposed to um Doherty. And, yeah. and and obviously Aurier is a liability. Um, but it's mad
1: though, because because those two players have been signed like fairly recently. Who Aurier. Yeah, I know he's like been there a few years now, but yeah, but three years. he's a, that, sign, we're at, he's a we're signing. At Wembley. We're at Wembley. He's just, we he's signing. a signing that was made because you needed a right back. Equally, so was Doherty. So that that's not on the man, well, it's on the managers if the managers wanted those players, but it's also on the club, isn't it?
0: I don't think Oreo is a terrible signing. He's he, he's actually had spells this season where he's looked very capable. He's just got that um, that eccentricity in him which he can't shake. Um, mm. we, we, we're digressing. I think, as I say, a right back and a centre back. I actually think our fortunes can change. Um, it would have to be the, there. Have to be the right signings. I mean, a top centre back. Um, big, but yeah, that's big, the same as every other
3: club, though, really, isn't it? Well,
0: yeah, but then get... Jose's saying, "Oh, the question was, oh no, sorry, no." Nick said that um, Jose is going to request loads, uh, loads of players in order to turn this around, and I'm saying I don't think we need it. I think li- literally, let's prioritise one centre back and a, a and a right back, and I think we we'll be in a good we'll be in good place next year. That's what I
1: think. No, I think Jose needs those needs more than that. But I think another manager wouldn't.
0: Sure. Nagelsman, the 33 year old, uh, uh, suit. He's in his suits this guy wears. I'm not sure. I yeah, could, he's uh... like,
1: like Crawley type suits, but like tweed, like check patterns.
0: Yes. Yeah, man. Uh, he looks like something from like, oh, like, well, you, I know, know, like,
1: like you know, like the woollen, the woollen checked suits. Yeah. yes it's mental yeah, well then, so i'd yeah.
0: have to I, you'd have to i think that like, you know how like an, in, an international footballer comes over like spanish or something he's got a spanish haircut within like six months he's, he's got a buzz cut they kind of like eventually integrate like, like silver for example so eventually i think his uh, suits will calm down and uh yeah it look a bit more uh
3: if in, in stone island like pep <laughs> yeah well I can, I can see this that uh, jose walks or gets sacked yeah um European Championship happens Southgate comes in
0: no uh, God <laughs> no way uh, so you don't uh, like
3: Southgate uh,
0: not not as a club manager I think um, oh
3: he's backing out
0: now let me tell you why international manager. <laughs> sorry an international manager just has to be a, a, a what's the word a, a, a motivator a motivator that is what I was going to say a people
1: I've always, guy, I've always said Harry Redknapp should have been the England manager yes, when he was at his prime
0: precisely precisely agree with Tactical that
1: tactically clueless but you can get everyone going
0: and, uh, and so, yes, it's not um, tactically astute uh, for, from a, on a week to week basis to be managing a top football team, uh, in my opinion. Um, but uh, I'll go Nugglesman Actually, I think uh, my prediction is South. Uh, no, uh, not Southgate. Christ, uh, Jose will be given the um, uh, the cup final, um, and I think if we win it, then he might stay. If we if if we lose that he will, Levy will decide Jose's you know, gone, he'll give him the rest of the season because it doesn't really matter and then um, replace him as soon as uh, the last ball's kicked um, at the end of the season. That's what I think will happen um, which is a difficult one because... You're not far off the top four though. I don't so like, Yeah, I still don't think, I mean look, I think if, if we if we could uh, put in performances like we did against it's not even Villa because that's more of like a like a, like a grind out to a degree we, mm, played, we played okay yeah. but the, the performance against Burnley at home um
1: palace and uh the palace and fulham wasn't it
0: yeah I, I think if we could um turn out more of those performances then we've got a shot of sneaking it against yourselves um but i don't know if we're going to put into the performances i mean we've got united at home this week and uh i i i, I see that as like a score draw but uh we'll see uh that's my opinion and answer mm. to that question. The final question of the Wembley Way podcast this week is from Kieran Gow at Kieran eight 88 He asks, after seeing Declan Rice's unbelievable run from the edge of the box, beating four or five Arsenal players and having his shot saved, what is the best non-goal you've ever seen?
1: It's a fun <laughs> it's question. A, it's a great question. Um, so I've got... One as soon as I saw the question, I was like, right, that's, that's my one.
0: I want one uh, from everyone, by the way. So as Nick's answering, get your thinking caps on.
1: Okay, I've got a few others in the background, but I'll come to them later. Uh, my my one, <laughs> the one that came, that came to my head straight away was Ronaldo's goal for Portugal. Oh, is that Van Exit? Um, this,
3: you've you've stolen it.
1: Sorry. Yeah, is, everyone's seen it, haven't they? Is this the yeah. na- the Nani uh, yeah. off- offside? So he like collects, he gets played in sort of down the left channel. He then he does a really nice nice like croy for his left foot to cut back. He then like, rolls it with his right foot and scoops in the same action. Scoops, it lobs the defender and the goalkeeper, and it's it's clearly going in. And then Nani sort of steals it like right on the goal line, uh, and Nani's offside. And Ronaldo just doesn't even hide his anger. He just he absolutely loses the plot and uh, goes goes spare at him. So that, that's my
3: that's my one. Um, I, saw, I saw he ripped off his armband, as you know, captain's armband as well, like froze it on the yeah, floor. Yeah. Plenty probably friendly probably. as well. well just quit, quit,
0: his captaincy out of <laughs> your like anger. <laughs>
3: oh, I would have hated to be nanny in that
2: situation.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shell, just go to you.
2: Um, mine isn't necessarily like a one. Would have been a one. The goal. I mean, it was a, it was unreal strike. But for the moment that it took away Raheem Sterling against Italy.
0: Oh, yes. Tom, yeah, that yeah, is Oh that, bro, that bro. was mental that one yeah
2: first minute we all thought he was in I think we were around yours Tom, yeah actually, I think both, yeah, Dad, all yeah. of
0: us in this call yeah. were at my
2: dad's watching that and, one and, and like even ITV's change the score to, to 1-0 to <laughs> yeah England. unbelievable and all the all the players just like turned around and went back like normal like for a goal kick like, like it was mental yeah, yeah he kind at of that moment
3: he turned around didn't he like spat on the floor and uh, there was like we yeah. were watching it I remember it was, it was like Raheem's Sterling's sort of breakout tournament. Yeah, yeah. He was at the time, you know, Liverpool had just gone through that season, just missed out on the Premier League. Yeah. And he, you know, did that in, like, like you say, the first opening 20 minutes or whatever. And then, you know, the whole nation erupts. I remember watching it just all jumping on each other.
0: It like nestled in the top, the wrong side of the top corner, didn't it? Yeah. It kind of sat hmm. there for a moment and then bounces out. And
1: yeah. That's probably the perfect. best moment of that whole tournament, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, that was as good as it got for us. <laughs> it really was. It was so poor. Yeah. yeah. That was a good choice there. Though. I thought he was going to say Lampard's goal against... Well, non-goal against well, Bermes, actually. But... That,
3: that's exactly what I was going to say yeah. in terms of emotion. Mm. Um, that, yeah. the Lampard... Um... I mean, it wasn't a great strike. It was just no, the Lampard one. It, was, it was just it, like it was the, injustice. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, got, I've got a couple of others because I was thinking about this and, and the ones that I kept thinking of were disallowed goals. And obviously, yeah. Rice's goal wasn't disallowed. It was just he didn't produce that finish at the end of it. So one, is was such a random one. One that pops into my head, um, and you won't probably won't know it, but Joby Macanuff for Reading picked the ball up on like the edge of his area and dribbled past like basically the whole Liverpool team and got one on one with the keeper and then just slotted it wide. And and it was like really disappointing because it was you know like that Ben Arthur goal you scored for Newcastle. It was basically yeah. like that. He was like running past everyone. Mm-hmm. And then got to got to like the penalty spot and just like, just pushed the ball wide the post, which is one. But then then I sort of thought, oh, I'll have a Google, see if there's any like blatant ones I've missed. I miss. And I came across this non-goal, right. which is Totti and Cassano for Roma, right? right. And and uh, I don't know which one, but one of them picks the ball up sort of just inside their own half, probably around the halfway line. And they play what looks like about 32-1-2s all one and two touch round basically the whole opposition team and then the ball gets cut back and he doesn't quite finish it. And honestly it, it would have been you know like Wilshire's goal against Norwich at one like goal of the season because it was like four quick passes. Yeah. It was like that, but about 32 of them. It was ridiculous. Uh, so anyone, maybe we'll post it I'll try and get a video and we'll post it on the Wembley Way too. Yeah, chat the YouTube video um,
0: on our Twitter at the Wembley Way.
1: It was honestly I, I was laughing as I was watching it, just thinking like what would this goal have been? Um, so that that was one that, that I, I didn't know about, but I saw it after googling.
3: Uh, I'm nah, waiting for Tom time. to mention uh, the obvious. I, yeah. I mean, it's not greatest goal, but he's going to say it: the clanger, Roy uh-huh. Carroll. Yeah, the injustice. Um,
1: Do you know, yeah. I, know I, I was thinking,
0: I was thinking Pedro Mendes from the halfway line. Uh, but like you say, because it was a phantom goal, it kind of, I feel like this question lent itself to more like. Goals that were missed, uh, but like the, the, yeah. the build the build up was incredible. So but good, yeah. If only it went in, as opposed yeah, to like, yeah. if only the fucking referee saw it go over the line. I don't, yeah. yeah. But no.
2: Do you remember? Yeah. Um, I think Pele almost scored a great goal. There's clips of it, like when he dummies the ball, and it goes around the keeper. Oh, wait, that does not touch then he it. It wide. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. and it goes it goes because, wide, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it would. Like, in that day and age, it would have been like absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think that was in the 1970 yeah. World Cup. Uh, I, think they, they, I, I don't know. I think they won it. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I do know exactly what you're talking about. He dummies it. Mm-hmm. Ball post mm-hmm. putt. He dummies the ball and then runs around the keeper. Yeah. Yeah. The keeper like commits, doesn't he? He misses it. Yeah. And then he did slot. And he drags it wide. Yeah, he goes, it goes across the goal, doesn't it? Wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. That would, uh, That's a famous one. Probably the most mm-hmm. famous non-goal, actually. Good shout. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, one more. Peter Schmeichel scored a header that was offside. You don't obviously see that. Obviously, goalkeeper scoring is great. But uh, yeah, it was offside. No, I didn't see that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that, that is a good one uh, and that's it for uh, Series 1 Episode 10 of the Wembley Way Podcast uh, as always with the final word please subscribe to our podcast feed whether that's on Spotify Apple Podcasts, Acast or Google Podcast leave us a five star review uh, please keep them coming in they really do help share us to your friends on social media follow us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram at the Wembley Way And finally, remember to check out our website for previous episodes and the latest England squad power rankings at thewembleyway.com. As I said, that's it. I've been Tom. I've been Nick. I've been Sheldon. Nice. (laughs) Awful. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do this at the end. This is is cringe. It's very cringe. That's exactly the point. And I've been Ben. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) And we've been the Wembley Way. Good night. Yeah. City more, city too, city too, city more.